couple of occasions I've been here, we've looked at different parts of Luke 7, and we're back in Luke chapter 7 this morning, and we're going to read about the uh, unwelcome guest, someone that turned up at a meal and really wasn't welcome. So if you have your Bibles, please, I'd like to turn to um, Luke chapter 7, and I'm going to read from verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learnt that Jesus was eating with the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to teach, tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed a certain amount of money to a moneylender. One owed him 500 narii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose, the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. He then turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. He who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other big guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I need to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It doesn't belong to this church. It doesn't belong to me. It's your word. And we ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit might come now and speak to each of us. Our needs are as varied as our faces in this room. But through your Holy Spirit, you can take your word and apply it to each one as our hearts are open to you. So speak, we pray, Lord. Amen. 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 This is a, a very moving story. And uh, I must say it's one of my favourites and uh, where Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house for a meal. Now there are occasions when the Pharisees and Jesus did not get on. There were times when he would be very critical of them. He'd call them whited sepulchres. They were a very religious group. They've, they were formed in, in the right way. They were formed to help bring Israel back to the law and to conduct itself in the way God's word said. But with many of the revivals of teaching they then ended into legalism. So they didn't only tell people what God's word said, they began to interpret it and add other things to it. And Jesus spoke about them adding burdens to people, being whited sepulchres, and of course that's a breeding ground for being a Pharisee, as we say today, a Pharisaical spirit, where people think they're better than other people because they just happen to keep their sins hidden more. <laughs> you know that, don't you? Because we're all sinners, some hide them better than others. But there we have them. And this Pharisee invited Jesus to his house. Now, there were times when that may have been um, uh, a negative thing. There were times when maybe Jesus is invited somewhere because 
They wanted to trick him. The conversation about Caesar, render unto Caesar things that are Caesar's, and the great reply of Christ came from a very confrontational moment where they were out to trap Jesus and to try and get him into trouble. But I don't think this was the case. I think this man, Simon, had, was set genuinely wanting to try and discover who Jesus was. He wanted to know more. And there may be people in this room this morning, and that's the same. You are generally seeking to find out who Jesus is, and hopefully this might be helpful on that journey. So he invites Jesus to him. Now, the most, I think, that Simon was prepared to acknowledge that Jesus was a prophet. But he soon loses that as the story continues, and he drops back to being a rabbi. So we have a meal. Jesus is invited. And we find there in that verse 36 that Jesus was reclining at table. Now, when I was a boy, I was told, you don't put your elbows on the table when you're eating. Anybody else remember that? Do you remember when your parents used to clout you? Any of you old enough to remember that? My mother would be in prison now for what she did to me. <laughs> she was a little Irish woman. My word, I learned to fight in the kitchen, not in school. <laughs> but anyway, that's another story, bless her. But I mean, um, reclining at table. So in our modern situations, uh, a little later I'm going to sit at a table, but I'm not going to recline at it. I'm not going to fall on the table like this or anything else. So there must be a different context to it. And very simply, Jesus was reclining on a sort of a Roman-type bench. Now, I've got some chairs here to demonstrate it. Now, um, in the first service, I had great difficulty getting up. So if there are any nurses, orthopedic surgeons, physiotherapists, could you be ready? You may be needed. So what happened was, is Jesus re reclining at table. Now, it's, please, I, my wife says I talk to people like the daft. You, if you don't understand what's happening in this bit, you won't get the rest. Okay. So he's reclining. Any laughter from down here, tell me about. So he's, he's on his side, like this, right? And his feet are out the back. Well, I can see myself on the screen. His feet are out the back. So Jesus is looking over there. But his feet are there. Now, can I swing round? You know, I can touch my knees. Very fit. So that's important. So when it says she was standing behind Jesus at his feet, she wasn't crawling under a chair. His feet were actually here. So he's looking over there. His body's along there. And his feet are out the back to give some balance to it. Now, that might be, I wasn't trying to be funny, but you've got to capture that in it, or you don't understand what was happening. Okay, so Jesus was reclining at table. So we've got a nice meal, the Pharisees there, invited guests, china, cups, and it was all very nice and very posh, very English. Okay, when, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learnt that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she had brought an alabaster jar of perfume. So this was a very invite-only meal. So most folk, if you have people invite to your house, if people arrive at the last minute, it causes some problems. Well, this lady had no invitation. She was not welcome. This woman was a sinner, and the Pharisees looked down and were very judgmental about her. Now, I've got to say from the very beginning that I haven't read a commentator who did not believe that this lady had been a prostitute. Okay, so that's the, the life of When we say a sinful life, that's what it's speaking about in this way. 
So the Pharisee invites Jesus, and this woman who had lived a sinful life in the town learnt that Jesus was eating. I wonder who told her, a bit like the, I wonder who told her Jesus was in the house, when she learnt. That's called evangelism. Do you remember, we, you won't remember, because that would be very arrogant to think you remember anything I say, but the centurion's servant, the centurion heard about Jesus? Well, this woman heard that Jesus was in this house. That's called evangelism. I hope you're telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so she heard about it and she gate crashed. No doubt about it. So in she came and she went towards Jesus. She could not see his face because there was probably a square and, she, and there were people down that side, that side and that side. We just didn't have enough chairs to do the whole thing on that way. But she came in and she stood behind him. So he's there and in front of him, her, pardon me, is his feet. That's all she had to worship with. Do you know, sometimes I think we set too many rules and regulations about our worship. Now, we've all done it. Oh, I, I couldn't worship this morning. You know, uh, they sang songs I didn't know. And you know, years ago when we sang songs we did know, we moaned that we never sang songs we didn't know. It really doesn't matter. You say, well, you know, I, I can't really worship. It, it's so warm in here. Or it's, um, or, you know, it's that Gordon Neal preaching. Just, just good news, R.T. Kendall is now in America. <laughs> Great news. Very good. I'm thinking of asking you to call me G.H. <laughs> Gordon Hans... No, no, not Hansel, no. But I don't think that'll get away with that one. But, you know, we can say, well, they didn't sing the songs I like. Oh, that Gordon Hill's preaching. I can't worship God if he's preaching. He's, you know, or, I can't do... Listen, friends, all this woman had was his feet. And she worshipped him at his feet. Now, you and I think we would maybe sing worship at his feet. But this was not a worship service. The environment was hostile towards her. We know that from what Simon's going to say later. And yet that's what happened. So Jesus is there, this lady comes in, and it says that she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. Now, what happened after that? It tells us there that she obviously, his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. So I have the picture of her standing with his feet there and her head down and the tears are dropping onto his feet. It must have been quite a, a tearful occasion. I don't think this was just, you know, some sentimental film where you fill up a little bit because the puppy got lost, you know, and there's a little tear in the corner. Th this lady was emotional to the extent that her tears flowed in such a way that she was embarrassed by that and decided his feet needed drying. Something emotional was happening. Something spiritual was happening. In the table, they're all watching, criticising, having a go, thinking, oh, Jesus knew. And this woman is crying at the feet of Jesus. She's repenting, I believe. Her tears are saying, I know that I'm not worthy. I know that I'm a sinner. And she's got his feet, and there we have the tears. Of course, that creates a problem. Please, no humour intended. We now have Jesus' feet are wet. You know, again, that, that's not probably the thing to do. So she didn't come prepared. She didn't bring a towel with her. She hadn't planned to do this. She never knew what would happen. All she knew, that Jesus was in that house, and she wanted to get as close to him as she could, and if all that she could get to is his feet, she'd worship him 
at his feet. So what did she do? She probably pulled a pin from her hair, probably very long hair, and the hair would fall down in front of her like this. So he's got the feet, the tears, and now the hair comes out. And she dries his feet with her hair. Scripture tells us that uh, a woman's hair is her glory. And at first I thought, well, she's surrendering her glory to Jesus. Now, the the tradition was that only a husband or a father would have seen a young woman with her hair down. Her hair would have been up, there would have been a head covering, a very um, modest uh, attire in that way. And uh, so her hair comes down. And my first thought was, oh, that's great. She's surrendering her glory to Jesus. But then I remembered her lifestyle. She had no glory left because many men had seen her with her hair down. And so while she's drying his feet, she's not losing her glory. I actually think God was restoring it to her. All those times when the pin had come out and she had done whatever she did, now Jesus is restoring her, restoring her to that place where the great thing about Christian conversion is, as far as God is concerned, is as if we have never sinned. Isn't that a good feeling? As if we'd never sinned. And so in that moment, the tears, the emotion, the hair drying it. And then, of course, we find that she's got his feet there. She's tears, the feet are clean, she's dried them. So what does she decide to do? She decides to kiss his feet. Such devotion, such emotion. Then after that, it says there, she kissed his feet and then poured perfume on them. Now, please, I know you will want to buy me something for Christmas. I know you will. And my birthday is before. My birthday will come up on the screen, just for those that may not be able to remember. But please don't buy me any aftershave. I've got more aftershave than boots. Uh, for some reason, people keep buying me. I don't know what the message is I'm trying to receive. <laughs> but I've got more. Don't please, because it's, I just, I, I should use it probably, but I don't, and I've got bottles of it. And uh, if my daughters are listening, thank you. But, you know, money, please. <laughs> well, we've got to start some of it coming back, haven't we? I mean, it's only right. So this perfume comes. And I thought, well, why did she go with this perfume? It's what she had. It was going to be a gift. Maybe she was going to, like the alabaster box, she was going to give it to Jesus. And, you know, maybe there's a Judas is in the background saying, uh, oh, that could have been sold. We could have, you know, done this or we could have done that with that money. But this woman didn't give two oots. She had come to worship Jesus. Tears, hair, kisses, and boy, this perfume is going on. The only bit of Jesus I've got to hand, that's his feet. One commentator says this, she poured the perfume on his feet because she wouldn't need it anymore. Now please, this is not an anti-perfume sermon. If you've got perfume, very nice. Ladies, just thought I'd clarify that one. All right, you know, perfume, that's fine. But one commentator said that this perfume was part of her old lifestyle, right? Now, I have to be careful what I say, and I want to talk with all modesty because I know you're here, but there may be folk listening uh, on TV, etc. that part of her lifestyle would have been to make herself as appealing to men as she could. And maybe, this commentator says, the perfume was part of that. 
as she would go out, she would put the perfume on, etc., etc. But after she'd come to faith, she wouldn't need it anymore. She didn't need the perfume. She didn't need to make herself attractive to men because that was no longer going to be her lifestyle. And so even in the offering of the perfume, we see a break with the old and the new. Now, if you don't agree with that, that's fine. You're allowed to have your own opinion. But I thought, what a great way to think of this perfume. I'm not going to need this anymore. Break it on the feet of Jesus. I just wonder if there's some perfume you've taken with you into your Christian life that you should have left at your conversion. I don't mean perfume as such. Maybe you had an attitude when you got saved that you really should have just broken it and left it at the feet of Jesus the night you became a Christian. An attitude, a behaviour, I don't know. But friends, there's things that you won't need anymore. You say, well, I, I've got a bad temper. Well, you won't need that anymore. Do you know that? Christians don't need a bad temper. You don't need that. You have a God who will be your advocate. You know, well, there's this or there's that or there's the other. Free friends, there might be some perfume bottle that you should just say, Gordon, do you know what? I've kept that from my old life and I really don't need it. Then please break it and make it part of your worship to him. Okay, so there we have it. She's come in, she's washed his feet, she's dried his feet, she's kissed his feet, she's anointed his feet. Okay, now in the room there is quite a commotion going on. People are wondering what's going on. It says in verse 39, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if, notice the word if, imagine saying if about Jesus, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that is a sinner. Now, the Pharisees linked certain people as sinners. Uh, forgive me, but they, tax collectors were sinners. Any, well, don't, don't identify yourself at the moment. <laughs> Might not be safe. But if you're a tax inspector, that's not so bad. If you're a tax collector, run for it. You know. But, it, you know, they thought the tax collectors who were very corrupt, not that ours aren't, because the law decides what happens. But, um, yep, and... Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking a little disclaimer should go in there somewhere. But um, there we have it. So, but there were certain people that the Pharisees were their sinners and their sinners. And obviously this woman was one. And Simon's attitude was this. If he had known what she, who she was and what she did, he wouldn't have let her touch her. Now, please, in the normal society of the day, with the modesty and the chaperoning and the rules for behaviour, the thought of a woman... <laughs> touching your feet, washing your feet, rubbing her hair on your feet, kissing your feet and putting perfume on your feet was not the done thing. And immediately, this brings disapproval. And the first thing it does, it brings about a, a critical spirit of Simon, not to the woman, but to Jesus. For he says there, if this man were a prophet, so the highest he was prepared to say Jesus might be, the reason he invited him to the meal was to see if he might be a prophet. And that went out the window now. Because if he'd been a prophet, he would have known who she was and said, get away from me, you sinner. Don't touch me. You know, it's, it's, you can't, it's not contagious sin. You can produce your own. <laughs> Let me tell you, you produce your own. You don't need to say, oh, I caught this sin from RT. You know, this, you, you don't, you know. You don't. And I try and mention him as often as I can. He doesn't want to be forgotten, bless him. 
Okay. If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him, what kind of means. She is a sinner. Now, obviously, Jesus was aware of what he said. Um, it says there, very simple. Simon said to himself, Jesus read his mind. He knew what he was thinking. Now, that's not a proof of deity. He turns around and says to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Because he knew his attitude. Tell me, teacher, rabbi. So he might be a prophet. He can't be a prophet because of this woman. Therefore, the best we can call him is rabbi, teacher. Okay, so Jesus was already demoted in Simon's discovery. Two men owed a certain man, a certain moneylender money. One owed him 500 pounds, the other 50 pounds. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debt of both. And now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. Now I was reading this while I've been away. I've been away at an Elam um, family festival that we have in the northeast of England. If any of you want to go next year, if you've got a caravan or a tent, or you want to sleep in your car, I can give you details. You're very welcome. Very welcome. We've got room for everybody up there. But um, while I was up there, I was reading this portion in the Amplified Bible. It takes about 20 minutes longer in the Amplified Bible to read it, but it says that he forgave him freely. And I got quite emotional. God has forgiven me my sins freely. Isn't that lovely? Not twisting his arm up his back. Oh, please, God, please, God, please forgive me. Do you know the minute we repent and say, will you forgive me? He says, done. I want to do it. That's why I died on the cross. See, that's why Jesus died on the cross, so we could forgive our sins freely. I don't think I'd go to the cross and want you to drag it out of me. He gave it to him freely. So there we have it. He acknowledges it. The one, Simon said, who had the bigger debt cancelled, you have judged correctly. He's now teaching Simon. Teaching him that we're all sinners. You see, what he was saying to Simon is this. She might be a 500 pound sinner, but let me tell you, boy, you're a 50 pound sinner. In other words, you need forgiveness as much as her. She may have more sins, but there's one forgiveness for all. Do you know there isn't a forgiveness for big sinners and forgiveness for little sinners? You know, when you come to Jesus, we don't say, big sinners down here. I don't know why I looked over here. <laughs> no, they're over here. No, the big sinners are over here. No, God doesn't quantify sin. He's not saying, well, medium sinners, large sinners... None of that. Come to think of it, the balcony's looking a bit. <laughs> None of that. Listen, don't get caught up in how big a sinner you are. Just understand you are, that you've not reached God's target. You've failed the test, but he still loves you and wants to forgive you. That's why he died. Get hung up with his forgiveness. Don't get hung up with the quantity. People have said to me in the past, oh, if you knew what I've done, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. None of my business. It's his business and your business. And when you finish talking to him, it won't be anybody else's business because you'll be forgiven. Because as the east is from the west, so he takes our sins from us. God puts our sins behind his back never to be more remembered. And that's nothing. You, you couldn't do that. You couldn't forget. Oh, no, you can forgive. After forgiving people is easy. It's the forgetting it, isn't it? That's what I find difficult. But God can do both. He can forgive and forget at the same time. Well, moving on. I had plenty of time, but I must move on. 
he said this, he said to him, two owed a certain amount of money, nine of them. He said, Simon, I suppose, uh, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. Verse 44. Then it says he turned to the woman. So we're over here and he turns to the woman. So up till this point, she, she, he hasn't looked at her at all. She's been behind him here. I'm, Caleb, I'm doing my best not to go over there. Doing my best um, he, over here. So he's, she's here. He's facing that way. Now he turns. So he'll swivel round to see who is behind. And if you think I'm doing that, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> I haven't swiveled since 1984. <laughs> so there's no swiveling, I can assure you. So it says there, he turned towards the woman, eye contact, but speaks to Simon. He says these words. Do you see this woman? Who I, this woman. Now, normally when people just... <laughs> Normally, she'd have, you see this woman over there, you know, woman over there, you know, oh, you know, that's, you know, who they are, they're Millwall supporters, or, you know, they're whatever, you know, um, you know, we're not, oh, no, see this woman. Jesus didn't say it like this. I, I think, I don't know, and I could be wrong, but I think there was a bit of a, he had a smile towards her. You see this woman, you see her. Simon, with all your religious stuff, listen to me. I came in your house, you didn't wash my feet. She washed my feet with her tears. You didn't dry my feet, she dried my feet with her tears. You never gave me a kiss, she's kissed my feet. You never anointed my head, she's put perfume on my feet. Simon, who are you? Who are you? You 50 denarii sinner to condemn this 500 denarii sinner. You failed. You failed in your devotion. You failed in your social etiquette, let alone anything else. Therefore, I tell you, this is the bombshell. Therefore, I tell you, Simon, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much. And he who has been forgiven little loves little. Simon, I want you to know this. Her many sins. You see, Jesus didn't avoid the, the spiritual condition of the woman. He acknowledged she had many sins but he was going to forgive them so Simon's saying if he had known what sort of woman she was Jesus said I know what sort of woman she is Simon you can't educate me you can't tell me I can't educate the Lord about anybody in this room he knows more about you than I ever want to know I can assure you and he says you see this woman her many sins Simon I know what she's been doing. I know. Don't think I don't know. You've moved me from being a prophet to a, a rabbi because you think I didn't know. I did know, and what's more, I forgive her. Because he's been forgiven much, loves much. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Do you remember when Jesus said that to you? When you became a Christian? Do you remember? I was in South Harrow, full gospel church. Actually, we had a, a, a vicar from uh, Harrow in the service this morning. He knew my home church, which was, was nice. Um, nice to know they come here on the days off, isn't it? Lovely. I thought it was a real, a real acknowledgement of this fellowship's standing. And um, I can remember when I became a Christian... And I was sat about there, and I got counselled over there, 
And that's when I first heard him say to me, Gordon, your sins are forgiven. I thought, that's marvellous. A lot of people haven't forgiven me. A lot of people haven't probably forgiven me even to this day. But he's forgiven me. You say, oh, well, Gordon, you're making out you're something special. No, I'm not. You know, the different, there's two types of people in this room. First of all, the sinners who haven't been forgiven and the sinners who have. And I'm a sinner who's been forgiven. Are you? Because we're all sinners. You mean I'm a sinner? Do you mean I'm like this? No, I didn't say you were like this woman. I haven't quantified your sin. But you know you're not good enough. You know you've not reached the standards God requires. That's why he gave his son. That's why we broke bread earlier. To remind ourselves what it cost for, for me to stand up here and say to anyone here, if you're not a Christian, God will forgive your sins because on the basis of his death, and his resurrection. And it doesn't involve me at all. All I do is tell you about it, you respond, and you're forgiven. That's how it goes. Almost there, almost there. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, do you know what, they, they suddenly get theological, don't they? They didn't think to themselves, wow, what's happening here? You know, he says, who is this who even forgives sins? And this, this is Jesus speaking to the woman. First words he said to the woman were, your sins are forgiven. That's all he spoke. Before that, all the conversation was, his face was that way. He's now looking at her. Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Not your tears, not your hair, not your kisses, not your perfume. He never mentions any of the devotions that she did. He said, your faith. I mentioned this in the first service. If you could only become a Christian, if you could dry Jesus' feet with your hair, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Can't do it. It's gone. It's gone. My grandson said one, some time ago that granddad had a boiled head. He couldn't say bald, he said boiled. <laughs> what worried me was the family all agreed with him. Didn't bother correcting him. I thought, listen, friends, I don't have any perfume. I don't have any hair. Or I have some tears I can offer, of course. But if this was a formula for forgiveness, some of us are out. No, no, no. He told us why her sins were forgiven. Because of faith. You put your faith. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. End of story. And that's within reach of us all. Say, I haven't got a lot of faith. You don't need a lot of faith. Well, I don't really understand faith. I'm still struggling to understand it. And I've been a Christian thousands of years, obviously, from the look of me. No, no. Faith. It means putting your trust in him. You've tried. You've turned over new leaves. You've done your best. And you've never reached the mark. That's why he came. That's why he died. So why don't you put your faith in him, as this woman did, her faith. So the minute she walked in, faith caused her to cry. Faith caused her to dry in that sense and kiss and the perfume. It, it wasn't, they weren't, that didn't give her the faith. That was because of the faith. And may I say that this is open to everyone in this church this morning, that you can put your faith in him. Christian friend, worship him. Worship him. Don't set boundaries. Well, you know, someone's in my favourite seat and 
oh, someone's here and Gordon Neal this and the song. And it's, listen, friends, if I could worship like this woman worshiped at his feet, how much more can I worship now? Now I'm filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. She never had the baptism of the Spirit to help her. She didn't have the full canon of Scripture. She didn't have churches and pastors and teachers to help her. None. And yet she did it. May we not be put off.